Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to the show. Keith Lusher here, and we're about to crank up the Sokolay segment of North Shore Fisher Report. Every year about this time we do it, and this is the, the month where we see the Sokolay reports coming in daily to North Shore Fisher Report. Uh, up next is someone who is probably one of the best soccer fishing I've ever seen. I've, I've been fishing with him numerous times and, and witnessed his innate ability to, to find these fish and, and catch them. Cajun Ray Miller, the soccer lake killer, joins good us. Morning, right good, now. Morning, good, good morning, good morning, Ray. Morning. All right, Ray. Ray, let's start out with what you're seeing out there. Uh, when's the last time you fished? I fished yesterday. I fish, but first of all, let me say I'm not going to say morning. nothing about. I'm not going. Let me start. I'm not going to say nothing about my wife. Todd got in trouble, so I'm going to stay out of trouble. <laughs> you see me close last, that down pretty last, quick. Yeah, huh? I don't want yeah, anything last, to do yeah, with that. <laughs> last weekend it was our 50th wedding anniversary, so got to keep that trend going. <laughs> so your wife's yeah. not big and mean, right? <laughs> oh no, I, I use a two week rule. You never heard of that? No, I have well, not if, heard of it. If, if your wife had, well, Keith, listen, I'm going. I'm a 70 year old man. I'm going to teach you a lesson. If your All wife right, asks you it. to do, if your wife asks you to do something, you tell her, babe, I'll get to it in a couple of weeks. I'm really busy right now. Well, you know, two weeks is going to pass by, and you hadn't done it yet. And she's going to say, well, you forgot to do this. You say, oh, babe, I'm so sorry. I'll get to it in a couple of weeks. I promise. Well, next thing you know, it's 50 years have passed, and you've done the two week rule. See. <laughs> So, See, anyways, if I keep you talking yeah, about been, your wife, you're going to mess up sooner or later, right? <laughs> sooner or later. But, uh, yeah, we went fishing yesterday, and uh, we had a really good morning. Uh, it uh, it started out slow. It was kind of chilly when we got out there. But um, I was, uh, but we hit, a, we hit a couple of little honey holes, and, you know, we didn't catch a, a lot of fish, you know, at the end of the day, what we kept. But... Uh, I told Neil, I said, look, before we turn into this dead-end canal, we're going to fish this uh, little bank right here. And we only went about 20 feet, and I caught four bass right off the bat. You know, we're looking for soccer label, we caught four bass. Then I made a turn, and I got into the canal, and I caught a few brim. You know, so that's how our day started. And uh, then we got into the to the back end of the canal, and I started catching a few soccer lay, And Neil says, uh, you have any more of those orange, black and orange jigs? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So he wasn't, yeah, yeah, black and he orange. Having, he, yeah, but that, that's, that was what I was catching them on yesterday was that black and orange. I usually like Ray, to use a total black and gold. 
Talk a little bit about the timing of the spawn because, man, it gets hot and heavy, but these fish, they move off those beds quickly, and before you know it, it's it's over. Talk a little bit about, you know, the timing of yeah. this because it, it really doesn't yeah, last that long. No, it, it doesn't last that long. People have, are under the assumption, well, they spawn the whole month of March and April. Well, they don't. You know, they don't all do it at the same time, which is good for the fishermen because you're going to have some that are going to move up and they're going to move out. You might fish a bank today and catch 20 or 30 and go back and fish the same area tomorrow and not get a bite. Because what happens is the male, the male goes and he fans this area where they're going to spawn. The female drops her eggs, and then the female is gone. She's not around anymore. She may go find another uh, nesting area to you know lay some more eggs because she's going to drop 100,000 eggs or better. Well, the male sits wow. on that nest, and he protects these eggs for three to five days. The eggs start to hatch after three days. It all depends on water temperature, right? And then, then when they, those eggs start to hatch, he's gone, you know? So it's really quick. They move up in the shallows, they do their business, and they're out of there. So that's why it's, so sometimes it's such a hit-and-miss proposition when you're spawn fishing. And I tell people all the time, you need to check your spots often as often as you possibly can go fishing you know because they will be up and down yeah and man i'll tell you what uh keeping records is vital right now as far as water temperature and when you start to see them move into the shallows so that that can tell you a lot it will tell Uh, you a lot now we had uh go ahead um the water you mentioned water temperatures but how does the moon affect the, the spawn well the moon affects it a lot that's kind of like mother's mother's alarm clock for these fish uh Mm -hmm. you know the the full moon is the ninth so you have three or four days before and three or four days after you know the full moon that those fish are really the mother nature has cracked the whip and they they know they got to go and and the water temperature in the river yesterday was 61 62 degrees so all of the the things are right now i know they got people thinking right now well hell this water's muddy in the river well let me tell you i caught some fish yesterday uh, uh, Adam caught fish, Jig Rig caught fish. You know, Jig Rig was fishing in the river. He wore out a battery yesterday trying to stay on these fish, and wow. but he was catching them. But he would where he was catching them. I'm not going to tell him exactly where he was catching, but he had to move around a lot. But he he slapped wore out a battery uh, because he was mm. fighting the current and the wind so much. I just decided to stay in the canals. I wasn't going to fight all that. So. Yeah, uh, but uh, we all caught some nice fish yesterday. Even uh, man, we had a lot of people out there. Even uh, the Yankee was out there yesterday. So, and uh, Neil felt good enough to come out with us. So we had a lot of people on the river. They didn't have it. I put them on my report. Fish didn't have a chance yesterday. <laughs> oh, Jake McCutcheon was out there, huh? He was bass fishing Jake, or, or uh, sockless fishing? No, he was bass fishing. But let me tell you what he did. He sent me a picture. He said, "Look what I got." He had a thirty-some odd pound. Garfish that he caught. <laughs> oh wow! I was just talking yeah. with uh, with Andy about these garfish when it gets cold. Seems like you don't see them anymore. No, you don't see them much, but they're still lurking around. They'll stay deep, but they won't be rolling as much. But uh, yeah. I was telling him, I said, "Did you keep it?" He said, "No." I said, "Why you didn't keep it?" He said, "Well, I, uh, are they good to eat?" I said, "Oh my gosh!" And he caught a a long nose garfish. Those are the best ones to eat. Thirty pounder, man, that's some good stuff there. So, yeah, we had a lot of uh, not, not just Seth, but there was a lot of people out there yesterday. So, the, uh, as you say, the garfish, that varies from alligator gar to the uh, thin-nosed garfish? That, 
that tastes better than the alligator gar? Yes, it does. They're both good, okay. but that's the best tasting ones. I don't okay. know why. Wow. I guess maybe I don't know, but uh, I've eaten them both, and those those have a better flavor. All you got to do is the way you clean them. You know, it's not it's not that difficult. But when you clean them, you make sure there's no red meat or dark meat on there at all, and you end up with a really pretty white meat, and it's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good meat. I, I do. I, yeah, I, I know why they break it down though. And they make those gar balls and they put them in the blender. That that uh, texture is awfully weird. It's kind of like a cotton when you bite yeah, into it. So it's a different, it's a different texture. So yeah, uh, Sockalay. Any new baits out on the market you want to try? Uh, we did a little show for Sock Week uh, that's coming up in a few days. Uh, there were some new baits that you've never tried. Um, anything that catch yeah. your attention? What's the one that had the, the the one with the little round tail on the end that's like our speckled trout bait? I'm definitely going to try some of those. Scissor tail. Scissor tail. Yeah. Well, yep. the scissor that's tail, that's the one with the head that looks like a, a, a tadpole? Yeah. And that was the one with the pads on the back. Yeah, with the pads on the I'm talking about that single one with the pad on the back that looks like a speckled trout bait, you know, with the round Oh, you're uh, talking like about the tail. The, the, Crappie slider. Crappie slider. Crappie slider, yeah, yeah. We'll try yeah. that for sure. That other one, I'll get a couple of packs and give him the jig rig, let him work on it, because that's his style of fishing right there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to try thank... those, because they're really a good-looking bait. You know? Yeah, I want to thank him. He sent in uh, some uh, some jigs, some Slater jigs. You, you've heard of the Slater jigs, huh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I have some in my box. Uh, Shupik fishes with that's uh, he fishes a lot with Slater jigs. Yeah, back then, yeah, well, he, exclusively with Slater jigs. I tried yeah, Martin Duvick. Send him some of mine. He said I'm good. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, he sent some so in to, to give away for Black Week next week. Yes. So I want to thank him. All right, Ray, uh, stick around. You're going to stick around with us. I'll, if you can stay on the line sure. with me into the next hour, we're going to take it all the way to nine o'clock talking about Sokole. Uh We're going to have a bunch of guests on. Uh, Mr. Green's going to be on Zach Liberto and, and Jeremy Glasscock's going to join us as well. So I'd like you to stick around with me. One more thing, those green worms. What is that? Is that organic or is that dyed? Well, there's a powder that you can buy. It's called worm glow. And uh, mm-hmm. I take a box of worms and I put a tablespoon of this uh, orange. The pot is actually orange when you put it in there, and it's worm food. And they and then you seal it, shake it up a little bit, put it in an ice box, and four days later, oh. your worms turn chartreuse green. And uh, wow. man, let me tell you, you pinch, you pinch an inch, you put it on a number six cricket hook, and look when you when that worm hits the water, there's just a big old a circle of bright chartreuse juice that comes out of these uh, worms. And uh, the lake runners, lake lake runners go nuts over this. Trust me, I bet you I can catch five to your one if I'm using green worms and you're using regular. They just love it that Okay. So So, what's the name of that stuff? Do you know the name? Yeah, Worm Glow. Worm-Glow. Worm Glow. All right. Worm Glow. Pick me up some Worm Glow. I buy a big container of it on uh, Amazon. All right, so stick around, Ray. Ray, you're going to join us, and Mr. Green's going to be coming up. Yep, we're going to be talking about Bayou Lacombe, Sockley Fishing with Mr. Green, coming up right after the break. It's the North Shore Fisher Report. It's the Sockley Edition. Stick around. 
Okay, welcome back to the show. We're talking Sakale this morning, and we're going to switch over from the Chifuncta River, and we're going to talk a little bit about Bayou Lacombe. Lacombe native Forrest Green joins us this morning. Mr. Green's been fishing Bayou Lacombe all his life and knows a thing or two about catching those Sakale. Good morning, Mr. Green. Well, good morning, team. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm joined by uh, Ray Miller here this morning. Morning, Doing any fishing this weekend? Yeah, well, no, I didn't go the weekend, but I went this week and um, beat them up pretty good. Beat them up? I'll punch them in the mouth? Yeah, I, I caught 30 yesterday, 30 another day, 25 another day, and um, they all in the day it ends, and uh, I just had a wonderful week with them. I'm talking about a wonderful week. This yeah, morning, I guess so, 20, 30, that's, that's, that's pretty good. How far up, up oh. are they as far as the shallows? Uh, they're way back in the back of all the canal. That's where I find most of these are in the back day in, in about 18, maybe to 30 inches of water. That's it. And I mean, okay. those, they're back in there. A lot, I mean, a ton of males, a few females. So that means they're building these beds. They're uh, probably looking about to get on fire in the next, say, 10 days. Hey, yeah, they're there. right on schedule. Mr. Green, talk a little bit about. Green. Yep. Huh? Talk a little bit. Okay. Talk I'm a little bit about. Guy. All right. Can you hear me? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, Bayou Lacombe before Katrina and what happened to it after Katrina, because it's really like night and day when you when you comparing the Sakale population before and after, isn't it? Yeah, well, what happened with now the Sakale, you know, uh, a scientific part of it, I don't know, but the bass and the uh, rim, all those fish came back a whole lot earlier. And in the last four or five years, the Sakale showed back up. I mean, they had areas where I was catching them before Katrina, and those areas, I can't catch them there, and I couldn't catch them nowhere else. But in the last four or five years, the Sakale had just been phenomenal around here. So, uh, I don't know if the storm just really damaging them. I really don't know. I stayed on top of them, but now they're here back. They're back. I'm talking about back everywhere. You can go north and catch them on the tree. You can go in the date ends and buy you Lacombe. You can go to the trucks and catch them and buy you Lacombe. And I've been like, you know, I'm a good fisherman. I understand fishing. I'm an outdoor guy. I, I don't know what happened to them during Katrina, but it took them a long time to come back. Ray, you seeing the same thing on Bayou Lacombe? Oh, yeah. It took me. Uh, we used to catch a lot of Sakhalin before Katrina and after Katrina. Actually, it took me almost three and a half, four years before I actually caught a Sakhalin after Katrina. And I used to, half of my creel, when I'd go catch brim and bass and Sakhalin, half my box was Sakhalin. You know, so it's yeah. been a, yeah. but, man, I'm glad they're coming back, though. They're back. They're back. I mean, um, you can catch them on jigs. Uh, the jigs, uh, uh, spec drum that we're making, I'm doing a lot with them. I'm having my uh, seminar every Thursday. I got about eight or nine people become a class with me, and I've been sending them out. A guy yesterday went out. I told him where to go. He wound up with 15 yesterday, and uh, we only got one guy left that haven't caught any. And I told him, um, don't let me test people up just yet. Please don't let me test people up. So I'm headed to Caldo Lake tomorrow. I told him he got to have me five chocolate when I get back. He's the only guy I haven't caught. But everybody else is doing wonderful with him. 
Spectrum baits. Yeah, what's what's the popular uh, choice for the Spectrum baits uh, as far as the Sakale well, style goes? What color? John, John, John from Madsonville came down, and uh, he done well with uh, uh, Pineapple, which is a chartreuse uh, bait that we make, and he done well with it. I done very well with the blue one. Uh, Carl been, been throwing the black with chartreuse uh, dotted on the tail, so... Uh, most of the baits are very good. They're very good. They've been doing well. And uh, here they've been doing excellent. Paddle Lake has done well. And all the guys in the class I got, I call them my class, but they come every Thursday and sit down and talk to them. And they've been doing very well with them. So the soccer lay a bite in Bayou Lacombe. Yeah, where are you holding your soccer, your uh, seminar at? At Bayou Lacombe, Bayou Venture and Bayou Lacombe, at Bayou Venture every Thursday night at five o'clock from five to six thirty. Sometimes it go long and sometimes it don't. But uh, that's where I've been holding at it. Bayou Venture and Bayou Lacombe, and you can find Mr. the Green. bay at Bayou Venture. Yeah, Mr. Green, we're looking at uh, some news from the spillway. It looks so far like they might not open that thing. Uh, man, that's going to bode bode well for the trout and the redfish this spring and even into the summer and fall. What's your thoughts on that, man? If we can get this spillway to stay closed one season, huh? Um. I'm headed to Texas tomorrow, and I I need to hurry up and get that finished up. I told the guy that we're making the bait. I said, guess what? I don't think they're going to open the spillway. I just can't wait to get to the trussle and all these rigs. I just can't wait. I, 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 I can't wait. I, I know they're coming. <laughs> they, they were here during the fall of the year on the trussle, and they was in Bayou Lacombe on the show line. I'm talking about good 14, 16-inch specter trout. So that went on through the uh, so the fall of the year, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to come right back in the spring of the year. I can't wait. I haven't caught a good specter trout in the spring uh, in the last two years. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough spring for the, the past two years. I was talking with Captain Andy Jones about those reefs, man, and the, the, uh, the wells out there. They just don't produce anymore, and I guess that's – due to the salinity, but hopefully this spring, if this thing doesn't open, we can get back to normal as far as catching those trout off the uh, the artificial reefs, huh? Oh, yeah. I am just I got my fingers crossed. I got my leg crossed, and I, I got a couple <laughs> buddies of mine. Um, we're just sitting around waiting, and um, he said, well, Mr. Green, I'm going to have to sell my boat. I said, don't sell it this spring. This spring going to be good. Yeah, and I know it's going to be good. I, 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 I just know it. I'm all excited about it. I can't wait. Yep. I'm going to catch and catch those big bass up there this week. I'm gonna be back and get all the spec drum bait ready. And um I just can't wait to get to the trust in those reef out here. Yep. Forrest, uh switching back over to Sakale. What would you recommend? Uh, I don't think anybody well, you might be able to get out today with, with these winds and these dead end canals. They're kinda of protected, but what advice would you give for, for fishing by Lacombe this weekend? I was going to Bayou Lacombe this weekend. I would fish most of the day ends and catch the canals that doesn't have a whole lot of wind in it and just drift down the bank slow and find a limb or two in the water and throw it about, about 20 inches under a carp because that's what I've been catching them, under a carp, and just throw it up against the bank. But if you got the smaller canals, get more to one side of the bank and cast it to the bank and work the bait back because some of the soccer legs will get out in three feet of water and you don't want to miss those by being too close to the bank. So I, I would uh, fish the dead ends without all the wind, and I would work the main, the main canal also. 
they are in the main canal, especially the ones that only got three feet of water. Those are canals they're really in, the dead end. They're really in those. Uh, Mr. Green, bass, bass fishing, what's the biggest you caught? Is big bass showing up yet? No, we haven't uh, haven't caught any. I have well, the soccer they've been doing so well. I've been torn between the soccer and the bass, but the soccer they've been doing so well. But the bass gonna get started probably late March, so I'm a I, I kind of like leaving them alone for a minute because if if, if, the, if you got the iron hot, then beat on why it's hot. And the soccer is hot right now, and I'm beating on them right now. One but track mine, on one track mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well. Yeah, because you can't do both. You can't go bass fishing in the day and then, then turn around and want to fish soccer in the day. So you can't study both of them at the same time. So I, I tell the guys in my seminar, hey, if you're going to go soccer fishing, focus on soccer and do the best you can with it and then understand what you did that day, and you'll be all right. You can't do both. can't straddle the fence. But I will get no. on those bass. I'll get on when I come back. Yeah, I'm going to tell the bass that you're giving them a break. They're going to be all over the place. All right. Uh, the soccer lady is talking to him right now and asking them, y'all need to start biting, get Mr. Green off our back. But we have done very well here, Keith, on the soccer lady. This has been a great year, you know, a great year. When you can catch that many males in the back, I mean, they're building their beds back there. The the, the females would be there. Uh, it, matter of fact, I don't even almost don't want to go to Texas right now because I'm a miss. I was about to say, it sounds like you're about to put down the phone and head off to Bayou County and do some fishing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, it just, it's just been that great. I'm not kidding. Just, you know, get you some jigs or get you some minutes. Uh, I know we're making jigs and would like for people to support us on all that, but just to go out and enjoy the day to catch soccer land by Lacombe, get you some jigs, get you some minutes. It's all good. Either way you look at it, go enjoy the day. All right. Good advice from Mr. Green. Thanks so much for joining us, Mr. Green, and uh, be safe going to Texas. And hurry up, get back, and wear out these fish. All right, see you soon, Green. Thanks for having me, and I hope everybody enjoy uh, Bayou Lacombe Soccer League and go to Bayou Venture and find some of those Spectrum uh, crappie baits, and y'all will enjoy them. I promise you, you will. You won't be surprised. All right. Got a promise there from Mr. Green. All right, Mr. Green, catching those Soccer League. On Bayou Lacombe, the resurgent Bayou Lacombe, great to see that area coming back. Uh, I've been monitoring the reports out of Lacombe and for the past three years. It's progressively gotten better. So I'm looking forward to it to being the best spring we, we've seen over in over a decade on, on Bayou Lacombe. Okay, we talked to uh, Mr. Green, a lifelong soccer angler. Up next, we're going to talk to someone who's he's relatively new to the game. We have Zach Liberto coming up. Zach is a big speckled trout and red fisherman, but lately I see he's caught the sockele bug. Uh, the sockele bug has struck Zach. Uh, he's Zach. He's tight lining the rivers for those slabs, so we're going to find out what happens and get some tips from Zach as well. Stick around on the North Shore Fishing Report. We're talking sockele this morning. And welcome back to the North Shore Fishing Report. This hour, it's all about sockele, how to catch them, what baits to use, where to find them. Uh, Ray Miller joins me right now. Ray, we have uh, Zach Liberto uh, is scheduled to join us. We're having trouble connecting with him, but uh, he's got an interesting story. You know Zach. He's been on with North Shore Fisher Report for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I talked yeah. to him a couple of years. Never met him, but we've talked several times. Yeah, speckled uh, trout fisherman. Yeah. Speckled, uh, yeah, he fishes speckled trout redfish. 
And, uh, man, he made that jump, I think it was last year, into the soccer world. Man, he put a hurt on them. It sounds like he's definitely hooked. So whenever he can connect with us, if you're listening, Zach, call in, and uh, I'd like to talk to you. But He is hooked a lot because we talked several times, and he was asking for advice and telling me where he found some places. <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, yeah, there's one spot. Last- uh, a friend of mine, I told him, I said, you need to get those fish in there because if you don't, Zach will. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's that's all that your Funkton needs is another soccer lay angler. Uh, we t- you know we talk about the Chifuncta a lot, um, Ray. But what areas do you fish as well? Do you do you venture off into that Tickfall River? Yeah, I fished uh, Tickfall. In fact, uh, I'm trying to make a trip with uh, Jeremy uh, this week sometime uh, to go and run because they're starting to have some. The water's really muddy in the in the in the tick fall right now, but that's okay. They still got to eat. And, uh, so, but we do that, uh, and also Bayou Lacombe and, uh, came by you, you know, so those are the the places that I typically will fish, uh, yeah, other than the, uh, the Trifuncta. The Trifuncta is yeah. so close to my house, you know, so it's just my first choice. And I used to fish a lot in Bidico, um, you know, cause that's 15 minutes I'm fishing. In uh, yeah. in Bidico, but it's uh, during the springtime. It's really hard to fish in there because there's so much boat traffic, and then during hunting season, you just stay out of there because it's too dangerous. It's like a, a really winding bayou, and I, I think once they these some of these guys put in at the boat launch, they try to see how fast they can run the gauntlet. <laughs> so, but that uh, weekday, you go on a weekday, you know, on weekends. There's so many people that live on that river back there, uh, you know. Uh, so I kind of avoided. But uh, I will fish there a couple of times uh, during the spawn and because uh, I've caught a lot of really nice sockeye and the goggle-eye in there. There's tons of them. So Ooh, that's yeah. the main thing we catch over there. Use my green worms. <laughs> <laughs> what about White Kitchen? You venture over to White Kitchen? I got some oh, good yeah, reports I coming out of there. It looks like Chad Champagne did good over in White Kitchen, huh? Well, actually, I went to White Kitchen last week. Uh, okay. And we got in there and... Uh, I didn't. I fished there really hard for uh, for three hours. I didn't get a bump. Uh, some friends of ours went the week before, before the cold front, and they caught some huge sockeye. They caught twenty five, I believe it was. But anyway, so I went I went way in the back of White Kitchen where I normally find the spawn the spawning fish. And when I got back there, I looked down and I told my buddy, it says, I, I threw my my cork in there, and my and the all of a sudden it's passing by the boat." I said, man, we got a problem here. Uh, there's not supposed to be a current in here because it's a landlocked lake. And the right. Pearl River was starting to flow in there. So you had, and the lake was muddy. The water's typically beautiful, clear. And uh, so with that running, all that fr- new fresh water coming in there, those fish just turned off. Now, the Pearl River's down again, so that white kitchen should come back again. On the weekends, there'll be so many people out there when they find out that the, uh, the soccer are running in there. Uh, but, uh, I usually make at least two, sometimes three trips there a year. And after the the soccer spawn, brother-in-law and I like to go in there with the green worms, and we catch some monster brim and goggle eye. I'm talking big ones, hand stretch, stretch your hand kind of brim and, and uh, goggle eye. Oh, yeah. Ray, for those that don't know, where exactly is White Kitchen when you hear White Kitchen uh, mentioned? Uh, it's, it's called, actually, if you look on the map, you can, you can Google White Kitchen, or you can do a, a way. Um, they call it a wayside park, 
and it's if you take free move south and it'll and it comes to an intersection where highway 90 hits it it's right there right on that intersection there used to be a restaurant there called the white kitchen somewhere in that area and a little history buff that's where jane mansfield had her last meal before she uh, had her accident down the road there so that's how oh, i did not know that yeah it's a little trivia but yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's called a wayside park, and it's it's really easy to find. Uh, the, the launch is a cowboy boat launch, which just means that it's a gravel launch, and it's a good launch. And uh, it, uh, I got my I, I've seen several big bass boats put in there, but I got to warn them: do not run in this lake idle wherever you go. It uh, if you hit five foot of water, that's deep. Six wow. foot is just astronomical. So. <laughs> uh, but five, six foot is the best, you know, you're going to get. Most of the lake is four foot deep. It's something that was formed after Katrina. and uh, But there's so many lilies. And during the summertime, you can sit there and just, if you close your eyes, it is so noisy with the birds and uh, the alligators. That, you know, they're, they're everywhere. You know, so if, if you're an outdoorsman and you want to listen to all the sounds, just go out there. Now, there's no shade. It just, so if you have a, uh, a breeze we we canceled one day because it was supposed to have 15 to 20 mile an hour winds that's white cap center you get any kind of a breeze out there you're not going to be able to fish so it's an awesome yeah place. It really is. like a mini lake train. oh yeah definitely now you mentioned jeremy glass you mentioned jerry jeremy glasscock and he fishes the tickfall river and he's coming up uh on the next yeah. segment want to thank him he's donated a sam heaton super sensitive jig pole to the raffle that we're doing for sock week next week on northshorefishreport.com you ever awesome. fish with one of those sam heaton uh how about i got two of them <laughs> i got a 10 foot <laughs> and 11 the question actually yeah actually i caught some nice soccer with that 11 footer yesterday uh but um yeah just it's a really good rod very sensitive and it does have some backbone in case you catch one of them you know, 12, 13, 14-inch soccer leg. And, uh, man, a couple of the soccer leg we caught yesterday, we caught some blacks, and they were so thick and so heavy. Oh, my gosh. And uh, had, I, fortunately, I put put most of them in the boat, but I missed a couple of giants. Uh, like an idiot, I left my dip net on the floor of the boat, you know, instead of grabbed it. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's a, a awesome place. Talk a little bit about the black sockeye as far as, as black and whites are concerned. What's the difference? Well, if you look at a black sockeye, uh, it has black spots all over it, random. Right. But a white sockeye, if you look on the side, you'll def- see some definite up and down lines. So that's, and, and it's a longer fish. Uh, black sockeye is going to be short and chunky. A white sockeye is going to be long and slender with those white lines on the side. That's the most uh, defining marks on them. The blacks have a tendency to stay more in the shallow water around brush piles and all that stuff. And the uh, the whites are going to be in, typically in deeper water chasing chad. I mean, they'll eat everything, but that's that's mainly their what their, their food is. And the same with the blacks. You know, it's a, they're a fish of opportunity, and I've told you many times they're nothing but eating machines. They don't have a long life expectancy, you know, five to seven years at best, you know, and all they do is they eat a lot and make babies, and they make a lot of babies. 
So, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> they're about to be doing that rigs, soon. Yeah, they're fixing to do that, you know, but uh, because that female is going to drop over 100,000 eggs, you know, so I'm sure there's a lot of predators that are going to eat that. But uh, and it, after she drops her eggs, she's gone, and the male takes over for three, five, three, four, five days. Their eggs are hatching after that, and then he's gone, you know. So, uh, but uh, they, a lot of people see all of these fishermen catching sockeye and they think, man, y'all going to wear out the population. Well, no, um, Mother Nature works uh, in strange ways, and she's she's going to be very very prolific, and they're going to repopulate a lot. That's why you don't put them in a private pond because they'll overpopulate the pond. They'll take over. Really? Yes. Right. They um, have a pond up, up there. Uh, in, uh, they have a farm, and they have a, a, about a two-acre pond up there, and they, the state went in there to uh, uh, put some uh, sockeye, I mean some brim and some bass, and he said, well, I want sockeye too. And he said, no, we won't do that. He said, you're going to kill your lake if you do that. Wow. Can that answer? So it'll only be Sokolai then, huh? Yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah. Well, so some people, it doesn't sound like such, such a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not such a bad idea, you know, so. Yeah. But uh, well, so right, well, Jeremy's coming on in a little bit. Yeah, right, J- Jeremy, uh, Pastor Jeremy Glasscock's going to be joining us in a little bit. We're going to get to the break cool. right here, but Ray, Ray, stick around with me, and maybe you and Jeremy can put together, together a trip. So we'll check in with him. See how that spawn's going on in, in that Tick Fall River. Stick around for more North Shore Fishing Report on more outdoors. And welcome back to the show, the North Shore Fishing Report. As we continue our Sockelay Hour this morning, we're going to check in with somebody who fishes uh, the Tick Fall River often, year-round, actually, for Sockelay, Mr. Jeremy Glasscock. Good morning, Jeremy. Hey, Keith. How are you, man? Doing pretty good. I got Ray here with me. Hey, hey Jeremy. Ray. How you doing, bud? Hey there. I'm doing Man, doing good. Today ain't gonna be a good day. I'm honey doing all day. But the plus side is, oh, I'm gonna get it done today. You, you see, Keith, he missed the two week rule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ray, inform Jeremy about the two week rule. <laughs> Jeremy, you gotta tell your wife, babe. I'm really sorry. I can't do it today, but I'll get to it in a couple of weeks. And then next time <laughs> you don't do it, she, she she's gonna say something. You're gonna say, babe, I'm really sorry. Been so busy, but I'll get to it in a couple of weeks. And next thing you know, you're going to have been married 30, 40, 50 years, and you still didn't do it. <laughs> I'm afraid after the first time I tell her in a couple of weeks, she's going to sell my boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show him. Oh, she's tough. She's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy. All right, Jeremy, give me a report on what you're seeing on your area. Nah, it's pretty bad, man. The, the fish is kind of in a since January, man, I really, uh, I really thought the fish were going to spawn in in uh, in February of this year, and uh, the weather we were having, and um, you know, some friends of mine were catching some fish early that were egged up, and I'm not talking about just eggs. I'm, I mean, eggs, belly swole, bloodlines in the eggs. They fix and lay them, and and uh, I, I really don't know what what. I mean, the water temp fell, and the fish didn't spawn. I think a few did, but. Uh, it it's just it's bad, man. It's uh, I say bad. The water, the river's been muddy, but muddy water don't really bother me. I I, I kind of like fishing muddy water actually, but uh, it it just the fish will move up and the water will get good, the moon will get right, and and then we have these cold fronts and it drops the water eight or ten degrees, you know, and and 
the fish stays and, and goes all the water out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. And and uh, I uh, caught some fish uh, last week that were staging up, and uh, I got really excited and watched the weather again because I thought they were going to do it on this moon. And then uh, you know the water temp dropped to about eight degrees. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. I caught a bunch of males last time I went, and, and uh, they were all ganged up staging in the mouth of a canal. So we'll see. Jeremy, um, we look like we got some next week's shaping up. It looks like those water temperatures might be what's needed. What are you looking for as far as water temperatures over there? I like it to be, you know, mid 60s, you know, 62 to 68 degrees, and it, it gets nasty, you know. Those uh, and and people think the spawn lasts two, three weeks, and and in my opinion, it's two or three days. You know, when when you can really pull up there and, and catch those females. Uh, it, it might be on a Tuesday or a Thursday. It just depends on when that water hits the right temp and, and one can, and here's the thing, man, you may catch fish in, in, in a canal in the South end of the river today because the water heated up faster. And tomorrow those fish be done. Them sows are going to move up. They'll move up early that morning and they'll lay their eggs and the next day they're, they're gone, maybe. Uh, and then uh, you know you may be able to move up the river as the water temp comes up, and you may catch fish for four or five days. But you know, uh, a lot of times people catch the buck when they catch exactly like spawning. Uh, they stay there longer, right? The, the females don't stay long. Uh, but when that water gets sixty-four, you know, sixty-two, three, four degrees, it it, uh, it gets interesting for about a week. Ray, that temperature jives with what you're what you're thinking too. That's exactly right. You know, because that when it gets when it, when Mother Nature, you know, that's really strange. That moon's up and the temperature's right. It's let's go full out, and then it's done. Jeremy, what are you uh, targeting these fish when they actually do get into the shallows? Um, corks and jigs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I use corks and jigs, and and uh, it's really funny, man. I mean, you, you you know, people do a lot of different things. Uh, I know Mr. Ray fishes hair jig, something I've never fished with, uh, and uh, it uh, I, I just use plastic tube jigs, man. And and usually uh, it doesn't matter if the water's really muddy, the water's clear. Uh, the, I mean, the, the two main staples that, that, that people use copper fishing is, is, uh, black and black and chartreuse and blue and white. And, and in the spawn, you can catch them. I mean, there's, there's baits you can go to to catch more. And, uh, there's, there's baits you're going to throw, you're going to catch less. You know, you can get to a crawfish color in in water and, and they will just, you know, it, it just depends, right? Uh, but I use a lot of tube jigs, man. Jeremy, do you jigs. use an eighth ounce jig under a cork as well, or you use a smaller jig? Uh, if I'm fishing way back in it, there's some there's some canals I like to fish, and uh, there's a lot of trees in them, and the fish actually don't get on the first row of trees. That's where they stage. They spawn in about the third row of trees, way in the back. Yeah, and, uh, uh, I'll use a, a eighth ounce jig uh, when I'm when I'm pitching and shooting way in the back of those trees. It's just easier. Uh, uh, I, I use a 16th ounce more in the spawn than I do any other time. Yeah, that's why I was curious because I know you like that eighth a lot. I do. I do. 
And a lot well, of you like think fish I'm crazy. deep water like I do, so that's you know it makes sense. Yeah, people think I'm crazy with that eight inch, eight ounce Mister Ray, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does. Jeremy, talk talk a little bit about your technique. Ray says you've got this shake when you when when you're not fishing with a cork, your tight line is straight down, and you kind of make it tremble. Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> you know, I was watching Kevin Rogers about three or four years ago, and I mean, if anybody sackleye fishes and watches the copy masters or anything, Kevin Rogers is one of the most prolific one pool guys in the world. I mean, he's unbelievable at it, uh, and you know, he did a video uh, three or four years ago about one pole jigging. And, you know, you, you'll watch a lot of people when you when you take them and they'll, uh, they'll bounce that rod four or five inches, right? And if you watch a minna in the water, a minna's not jumping up and down four or five inches, right? He's either sitting there just swimming along, or if he's dying, he's on his side and he'll flutter a little bit. Well, when you move your rod four or five inches, that bait, you're pulling it out of the strike zone, right? If you just tick your rod, I mean, just barely tick it. I mean, you, you can barely see the end of your rod moving. It's almost just a, a little small shake in your hand, or I'll tap it with my finger sometimes. And that jig will just shake. It'll vibrate. And, and uh, you know, if... If I'm if I'm moving a jig, that's the way I'm moving it because I, I, I get way more way more bites doing that than I do bouncing it real aggressive, you know. Uh, but I don't know, it's kinda of, kinda of neat. We'll have to go and I'll show you one day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, sometimes when I'm fishing with uh Ray, I'm thinking I'm looking at my hand, your your almost your hand naturally shakes a little bit. I'm I'm thinking if if you just hold that jig stationary, it's actually going to have a little bit of, of movement just by your normal hand handshake and, you know, like you said, a little tap, man, just to give it that little uh, jerk. That 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 looks awfully enticing for a sockeye, you got to think. I mean, you think you're not jigging it, so it's just move, it's just holding steady, but I think you're, you're natural and the wind hitting your line, you know. So I think just holding that jig out there, Present, presenting it in the right spot, it's going to have some kind of movement just due to your hand and your wind, you know? Well, uh, people call it dead sticking, right? You dead stick a jig. Well, if, if you have a good rod, right, and, and I'm I'm a uh, huge proponent of good rods, people say, well, I'm going to buy you a $20 sackle fishing pole. Uh, don't do that, right? Wait another year if you can't spend $50 and just wait and buy you a really good rod because, uh, I've brought people and they bring rods and, and you're catching fish and you're watching them get bites on their line and they don't know how to watch their line and, and, and they never feel the fish. Right. Uh, and I catch a lot of fish by just feeling a little bit of the weight come off that jig. That fish, if you fish in the spawn and, and it's called floating the court, a fish will come up and hit it. Okay. And they'll just float your court. Your, your court will float up sideways. Well, that fish came up and ate that bait, and if you're not watching, and the same thing when you're when you're one pole jig to eat, that fish would just come up and lift that jig and take the weight off your rod. And if you're on a really good rod where you can feel everything, uh, you know, you miss so many bites that you don't even know you've got. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've witnessed that when you're fishing with a cork, and just just that difference in the way the cork floats, um, as far as 
those those sockeye coming up. Now, uh, right, John's John Gilead's got a theory of you catch those sockeye and their their eyes are looking up. When you catch them, that means they're, they're coming up from underneath and, and working their way up to hit that lure. You think that's yeah. true? Yes, I do. Sockeye typically hit up. You know, so a lot of times what Jeremy was saying when they float your cork. You know, it's another definition of that. You're fishing too deep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank up, you. you know? Thank you for coming on, Jeremy. And, look, thank you for that donation. We're going to be doing Sock Week next week on NorthshoreFishingReport.com. You you donated that Sam Heaton super-sensitive jig pole. Uh, somebody, some, somebody's going to get that, uh, a reporter. We're going to raffle them off to all those that report on Sockalay on the, on the website. And, Hopefully, I can get you over here into the studio and get a get an interview from you. I hope I I hope I win it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got, oh, we got on some that. good stuff. We got some good yeah. stuff to raffle away. Thanks a lot for joining Mr. us, Jeremy. Mr. Ray, get with me. I won't go this week. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Thank you, Mr. Keys. Y'all be blessed, man. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. Well, that's it, Ray. What a great hour. What a yeah. fun hour talking with all our guests. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Thanks so, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for donating those sucker ray jigs, you call them, that we can give oh, away next well, next week on North Shore. All right. Uh, we run out of time. I hear the music. Week, okay? right. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, soccer ray, big time. Um, that's going to do it for the Sockele Hour on for, for North Shore Fishing Report. Man, they're about to bust loose, as, as Mr. Mister uh, Forrest Green says. I want to thank all my guests this morning, Captain Andy Joseph of Wicked Charters, uh, Chris Basie, Todd Ullman, uh, Forrest Green, and thanks so much for joining. Sticking with me, Ray, talking Sockele. It's been fun. Looks like it's going to be a great week of fishing next week, so go get you some Sockele. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.